This is Phil Davidson, and with me today is Rockford Symphony Orchestra Music Director Yaniva Tarr, and we are discussing Beethoven's Fifth, happening this Saturday, November 18th, at 7.30 p.m. at, of course, the Coronado Performing Arts Center. Welcome, Yaniv. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, now, hearing the title of this Saturday's concert, we, we obviously know what one of the featured musical selections will be, <laughs> but there is a whole lot more happening uh, this Saturday evening besides Beethoven's Fifth. Uh, the program kicks off with the Anthem of Hope by Anthony DiLorenzo. Uh, tell us something about his background. So he's a Seattle-based composer, um, and uh, he's a phenomenal trumpet player as well. Uh, you know, he, he won uh, Emmy Awards. He was nominated for a Grammy. Um, his works have been performed uh, by orchestras like the Philadelphia Orchestra, San Francisco Symphony, um, Utah Symphony, where he was also the principal trumpet. That tells you how good of a trumpeter he is, uh, graduate of Curtis. But he, what's so unique about him is he is one of the most versatile musicians I know, uh, writing from serious concert music uh, to, you know, commercial pops, rock, anything. This guy just can write anything. Um, and he's a lovely human, too. So I, I, I'm i really honored to uh, play some of his music, uh, perform some of his, mu- his music, and uh, especially for this program, because it really fits the entire theme. Well, you mentioned that uh, all the symphony orchestras and chamber groups that he has been f- affiliated with, but and then you said something about pop music, and I'm, I'm I think it's true that he has composed themes and music that have been heard on TV and in conjunction with movies. I believe. Yeah, I think he wrote. Almost a hundred uh, music for almost a hundred trailers of movies, things that everybody will know, like uh, Forrest Gump and uh, you know what else, uh, Kung Fu Panda, um, you know th- things that Toy Story even. Uh, yeah. So those trailers, mm-hmm. he wrote the music for those trailers. So you can really uh, hear him everywhere in in some sports music. Uh, uh, um, you hear themes that he wrote, uh, news uh, broadcasts, things like this. So he's his reach is really uh, wide. All right. Well, now let's let's look at the anthem of hope. For whom and why was it written? If you look at the title of the music, it says "Anthem of Hope, Houston Strong," and it was written for the. Um, uh, Royal Oaks Chamber Orchestra in Houston, um, and they commissioned it after the devastating Hurricane Harvey, mm. which I think, I mean, mm-hmm. the destruction was enormous. There yes, were, I think, was. 100 at least, 100 people died in this. And um, it was meant to be a community thing of coming together, looking for hope for the future. And, um, you know, so even though it was written for that event, Ever since then, that piece kind of um, got a life of its own, and um, and for you know, life provides us abundance of opportunities where hope is is very much needed. Um, so uh, again, I thought it was very fitting uh, for this program. 
Can you give us sort of an idea of what we're going to hear? Yeah, so it starts very, it, it almost starts like a prayer, uh, very softly with the strings. You have a beautiful flute melody that comes above it. And it really sounds, it has a feel of an anthem. Um, it's it's so simple, but gorgeous, but something you can you can sing, anybody could sing. Um, and slowly it develops with a huge climatic thing. It, it's, uh, it sounds a little bit like almost movie music in that sense. Um, but that gives gives it the simplicity of of an anthem, uh, but it it really gets to your to your heart, uh, and then slowly it dies away, um, giving you that feeling of of hope and what to look for uh, for the future. It's it's a gorgeous piece, and it's I believe only about four minutes long or four something. or five minutes, yeah. yeah. So it is by far the shortest piece on the program. Yes. Well, and, uh, next on the program is Fazio Size Concerto for Cello and Orchestra, which I think is also called Never Give Up. Uh, I know he's from Turkey, and he's also a pianist, besides being a composer. What else can you tell about him and, his, and what he has written? Well, honestly, I knew him for many years uh, of him. I don't know him personally, but many years I knew of him as a pianist because he's one of, I would say, my favorite pianists uh, uh, living today. Incredibly sensitive. I mean, he performs all over the world. Uh, really phenomenal musician. Um, but he also composes. Um, and I have to admit, I did not know any of his works before I heard this cello concerto. And I didn't. When I first heard it, I didn't even know he wrote it. I I heard it. I was wow. I was really impressed. And then you know, at the end, the I figure I figure out who he was. Um, and he really writes phenomenal music. Um, so I'm, I'm. It's my first the first piece of his that I'm that I'm performing, and I'm looking forward to you know getting to know him more as a composer. What was going on in the world? that had a direct impact uh, on the sound and nature of this concerto? So he wrote this, I think, in between 2016 to 2017, um, after a series of terror attacks that occurred in mm -hmm. Turkey. Mm -hmm. um, and this was, you know, his response to those terrible events uh, that happened there, and this is why it says "never give up," and and you, it comes in three movements. Uh, each of them has its own narrative about it. Uh, first one is it's titled "Never Give Up," but it's really about um, uh, the fight against darkness. Uh, second movement is the heart of the piece, which is titled "Terror." And the third movement is Song of Hope. I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Okay. Why did you select these two pieces? I mean, there seems to be kind of a melding of sorts between them because you have size concerto ending in hope, and then you have Di Lorenzo's piece entitled Anthem of Hope. I think the main... Uh, reason why I chose these these works in this program, including the Beethoven Symphony, um, is that all this music comes from tragic or dark circumstances. But through music, it can transcend all that into either something triumphant or something hopeful. And I think that's the main goal 
um, that I want to take from from this music um, because that's how we are as human. We always strive for that hope and looking for something better to always go upwards. Um, and I think music helps us do that. And each one of these works, you go through that journey of, you know, from darkness to light. Well, let's move on now into some more light because the second half of the program is, of course, Beethoven's Fifth. And um, I was reading that, I believe, during the early years of his career, uh, he was influenced by Mozart, and I think he even studied under Haydn. Would you elaborate on this a little bit and how how this influenced what he wrote? I mean, yeah, uh, Beethoven really uh, admired uh, the music of Mozart, which was very popular at the time. Um, he even wrote some, you know, variations on theme by Mozart, even though he did criticize Mozart in one of his letters. It's really funny because uh, he was commenting about how to perform his own music, Beethoven did, and he wrote, don't play this music like, like you would play the music of that wunderkind, meaning Mozart, those, that wonder boy, <laughs> uh, meaning, you know, straight, without any rubato, etc., but I mean, when you listen to early works of Beethoven, like A Perfido, for example, I remember it's a, a piece for for soprano and orchestra. First time I heard it, I really thought it was Mozart um, when I heard it. It was maybe a little too dramatic for Mozart, but still it had that language. And yes, he studied with Haydn. And I think what he took mostly from Haydn was uh, his string quartet writing. When you look at any composer uh, from that period, there's always one thing that defines them. For example... With Mozart, it's it's um, his operas. It's not the symphonies or piano concertos or anything. With Beethoven, people think, oh, the symphonies or the piano solo, but no, it's the string quartet. The string quartets are those where Beethoven was the most wild, the most advanced, even hearing them today, the late string quartets. I mean, they are crazy <laughs> uh, uh, in their language. So I think from Haydn, who's called the father of the string quartets, Really, that's, I think, where Beethoven's really kind of continued that to an unprecedented level. Well, now, I, I, as I was reading about Beethoven, I was also reading that uh, in Germany at the time that he composed the Fifth Symphony, um, there was this feeling in the arts that everything should be relational, one idea should come from another uh, repetition of ideas, that sort of thing. And according to what I was reading, apparently Beethoven uh, was really good at this, and particularly in the Fifth Symphony. Can you, how so? So the Fifth Symphony, I think more than any other work, almost in classical music, especially for his time, there's never been a symphony where one little cell the ta-ta-ta-tam that we all know is connecting all the movements. Before that, we have symphonies and they have first movement, second movement, third movement, fourth movement. Each movement has its own thing. But here, the symphony is really connected throughout the four movements um, with this with this motif. When you think of Beethoven, Beethoven wasn't a composer who wrote amazing melodies. Um, you know, Tchaikovsky is known for his melodies. Brahms is known for his melodies. Beethoven didn't write great melodies, but he could take a four 
note motif and create a whole symphony uh, uh, from it. And and the, and the, the, that four-note motif can be dramatic in one movement. It could be kind of a prayer in a second movement. It morphs throughout the symphony. And I think composers from then on kind of looked up to Beethoven that the symphony is not just four separate movements. It's a whole story. It's a narrative that is told from beginning to end. Uh, so that symphony really changed the way composers were thinking from then on um, uh, about symphonies. And this is why they always say about every composer that wrote symphonies that they they wrote it in the shadows of Beethoven. Well, I, I you you may have already maybe answered this, but I'm going uh, w- So what is it about Beethoven's fifth symphony that makes it so special and beloved? You know, it's, it's funny, you know, if you ask people, give me an example of famous painting, they would say the Mona Lisa. Yeah. Um, if you ask people what's a famous uh, a piece by Beethoven and, and oh, classical music, and they'll say Beethoven Fifth. Yeah. Everybody know it. I mean, it's it cut into pop culture. You hear it in Monday Night Football or uh, even a Judd Judy. <laughs> you know, they use the music of Beethoven Fifth. Everybody know it. Why? Um, I think again, it's that short motif. Uh, that everybody can relate. It's not even a melody. I mean, that's the theme of the Fifth Symphony. What kind of a melody is that? But it's so catchy. Everything in that symphony is so concise and compact that even if even if you don't understand classical music, something like this really connects really quickly, and everybody could understand what is going on because they hear it everywhere as a theme, as an accompaniment, as a melody, as as anything. And and I think the whole idea of of how this theme transformed from something so dramatic and tragic. When you first hear that theme, it's like somebody grabbing you by the throat. Mm -hmm. And the way it develops through a 35-minute symphony into something so triumphant uh, uh, by the end of it is something that anybody can relate to. And this is why it's, you know, considered, you know, the best symphony ever. Everybody everybody knows what it is. Even, even... uh, uh, the the short 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 long ta 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 tom yeah. is it's even a Morse code. Uh, the Allies used it in in World War Two as a sign of victory. Um, <laughs> I mean, there is and and the whole symphony is really about victory. Well, he actually uh, creates drama for the listener throughout the symphony. How how does he how does he do that? You know, uh, again, one of the amazing things that he did in the symphony is that it opens in C minor, and usually composers ended the symphony in the, in the key that it starts. But from here, he goes from the C minor to C major. Um, and the amazing thing that he does, and it's in the last two movements, uh, something new that he did was to have no break between the third and the fourth movement. You don't hear, the, the, the orchestra doesn't stop. The end of the third movement ends very, very quietly, and it builds up. It's almost like you're in a you know, place of fog, and it builds up, and then this huge triumphant at the end, uh, 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 that explosion of emotions. Um, again, it's something that's never done, never done before, and in the middle of the fourth movement, he goes back and quotes the third movement. All these things are, are 
so unique. Um, but again, anybody can relate to them. Uh, and and the idea of putting your fist against fate was something that was very common at the Romantic period. And, and to this day, you know, we always challenge fate and we always want to stand up to fate uh, uh, and look for the triumph of the human spirit. So it's something that can connect to our lives every day. And I think that's what makes this piece, you know, after hundreds of years, still relevant, still effective. And this is why it's still such a beloved piece by audiences. Well, now you made me want to go home and listen to it. <laughs> well, you know, when I programmed this, I noticed that the Rockford Symphony hasn't played it for for a very long time. It's been a while. Yeah, so I, I thought it was nice to pair this with those two works from the beginning, uh, the Anthem of Hope and the Concerto Never Give Up. I think it was 2013 or something like that. Yeah, so 10 time, years so. at least. Yeah. Well, you do have a guest artist joining you. Uh, can you wh- what can you tell us about him? Efe Baltashigil is a Turkish cellist. Uh, he lives in America now. He used to be the uh, uh, used to play in a Philadelphia orchestra. He's now the principal um, cellist of the Seattle Symphony. Uh, I've collaborated with him a few times before. Phenomenal cellist, chamber musician, soloist. Um, really an amazing, amazing musician. I'm so looking forward uh, to introducing him to the audience here in Rockford. And you are continuing uh, sound bites, I believe, prior yep. to the performance. F and I will be uh, 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 discussing the this work and music uh, at Monatisi at uh, 12 p.m. on uh, this coming Friday. Uh, it's the 15th. Right, the Friday? Yes. I believe so, yes. Um, and uh, you can come and enjoy a really good really good lunch and uh, hear, hear the cellist, uh, Efe, and myself talking about music. Terrific. Well, I mean, I don't think it's, I think it's very clear that uh, people don't want to miss Beethoven's Fifth, and it is being presented by the Rockford Symphony Orchestra, first time in a while. This Saturday, November 18th at 7.30 p.m. at the Coronado Performing Arts Center. And for more information about the concert, and certainly for tickets, go to rockfordsymphony.com or call 815-965-0049. This is Phil Davidson. And I'm Yuni Vitar, Music Director of the Rockford Symphony Orchestra. Thank you for listening.